Welcome to Pigskin Frenzy on this wonderful Tuesday afternoon. Thank you for joining us. I'm Joel Norris. And whether you're watching on YouTube, listening on Spotify, or listening on Podbean, a big thank you for taking some time out of your Tuesday to just sit back, watch, and listen to some college football coverage presented by me. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel. Leave a like on each episode and leave a comment down below. Spotify and Podbean, if you're listening on there, share around with others and follow on those platforms as well. We have X, Facebook, and Instagram. X, all you got to do is type in at Pigskin underscore Frenzy, all lowercase. Just type it in on the search engine. You'll follow there. You'll get episode updates as well as all things up to date for Pigskin Frenzy as well as news and highlights from across college and NFL football. Facebook and Instagram, just type in Pigskin Frenzy. You'll follow and like the pages there. You'll get episode updates. You'll get trivia questions on Instagram and their stories. Go and answer today's as well as all things up to date for Pigskin Frenzy. Here we go. College football coverage today. We're going to break down some a wild week, too. It, and here's the thing. I'm going to start off with saying this. I apologize to all my listeners out there. I apologize for breaking down some games that I've gotten wrong so far. I hope to do better. I hope to do better. But two for two this week. So I'm a little bit better. Two for two. NFL kind of on the fence right now. But, you know, two for two in college football. Let's talk about some of these, some of these, some of a wild week two. We're going to recap everything and we're going to preview and predict a week three set uh, slate that's, in my eyes, is not all that impressive, but there are some games that are underrated for week three. So we're going to talk about those games. We're going to break those games down. Uh, week four, uh, next week, we're going to have our, uh, our, friend of the show or pigskin frenzy moderator Noah Crow on the show and he's gonna and we're gonna do recap week three. We're also gonna discuss and preview and break down and predict week four matchups, top week four matchups. So uh gonna be an interesting one next Tuesday on the nineteenth. So uh and yeah it's gonna be interesting. We're gonna break down week two here in a minute. We're gonna break down week three and preview those top matchups for Saturday. Subscribe to YouTube, ladies and gentlemen. Subscribe to YouTube. Like each episode. Follow on Spotify, Podbean. Share around with others on there. Share around and follow on X, Instagram, and Facebook for all things up to date for Pigskin Frenzy. Ladies and gentlemen, let's just break down some week two action. We're going to kick it off with Colorado, Nebraska. Opening game out of week two. And you're going to think, Joel, you've been talking about Colorado a lot because you how is it hard? It's hard not to talk about Colorado. It's really, it's really hard not to talk about them. They are indeed coming, according to Deion Sanders. They are, they believe and they uh, conquer, right? They believe and conquer, and that is what they do up in Boulder, Colorado. So, Colorado, man, is they're a team that it's going to be hard not to talk about. Uh, they got a game this week that I will preview and predict. They got a game next week that I'm going to preview and predict. And they have a game in two weeks that I will preview and predict. It's hard, For the rest of September, they're going to be on my top slate of games to pick and to preview and predict. I'm just going to let you know, spoiler alert there, because they got some interesting games coming up. They got Oregon next week, and they have USC in two weeks. Going to be something to watch out for. And tread, you know, tread lightly on because Oregon and USC are no joke. We're gonna find out who Colorado is in the next couple of weeks. So, just put that out there. Let's break down their week two game: Colorado versus Nebraska. I said Colorado was gonna win in a in a fairly uneven matchup. 
and they did. I was right about that. I was right about the outcome. I was right about, you know, the the style of play with it. But I didn't, you know, really understand a lot of the, you know, miscues on it. So we're going to get down to that in a minute. Final score was Colorado 36, Nebraska 14. Colorado had 396 passing yards to Nebraska's 119, while Nebraska had more rushing yards than Colorado, 222 to Colorado's 58. Colorado could really get the ground game going a little bit. Now, it's weird because Dylan Edwards and, you know, and, and you know, you know, Kavassia Smoke, all those guys who ran the ball against TCU had a great rushing attack against TCU, but against Nebraska, they really couldn't get the, the running game going. It was all about throwing the ball in the air. Now, when you look at it, Shadur Sanders played it. He, he had a good game. Uh, Shadur Sanders had 393 yards and two touchdowns. He played good. Now, there were some miscues on each end. So the first half, there were some miscues on Shadur's part. Uh, Decision-making was a little bit off, and um, it was it was one of those things where, you know, he was staying in the pocket, take the sack and rather than throw it away miscues on that end and it was like ah those those miscues who that seem small will cost you some games in the future so you really cannot do that against an Oregon and you cannot do that against a USC that's gonna be hard to do so I would tread lightly on that so Shadur Sanders stat wise played a good game first half he looked a little Hearsay, he looked okay, but he had a little uh, little bit of miscues. Even in the second half, he had some miscues in the second half. I think Shadur's going to have to play a little bit better to beat an Oregon and beat a USC, but I am fully capable, and I'm a believer in Colorado now. Don't get me wrong. I'm a believer in Colorado now. I think Shadur Sanders is a is a very underrated quarterback on his way to becoming a top quarterback this season in college football. I really, I really believe that. Um, but... Shadur uh, made some mistakes there, and I, I will look to clean those up for Oregon and USC. Let's look at Xavier Weaver. Big highlight reel for him, you know, against this in this game. He had 10 receptions, 170 yards, and one touchdown. He was there. He was Shadur's go-to guy, for sure. Travis Hunter was getting double-covered a lot, um, and... Xavier Weaver, he was a good he was a good option there and he was a problem for the secondary for Nebraska. So Weaver, good, you know, good receiver there and he's a solid uh number 2 for, you know, behind Travis Hunter for that offense. So, you know, Weaver, Hunter, watch out for those guys, right? So Defense was good for both teams. Nebraska had a solid defense, and I really liked their defensive line and how they put pressure on Shadur. They looked really, really good up front on the front seven for for the Cornhuskers. They looked good on defense. Nebraska overall is a good team, so I'm gonna be you know I'm gonna shift shift gears. I broke down Colorado. Let's talk about Nebraska just for a tiny bit before I move on. Nebraska looks good. They are, you're going to think, okay, they got beat 36-14. Yes, they did. But I'm going to break down the reason why they got beat 36-14. Yes, they look, they look good overall as a team on defense, and they got some playmakers on offense. Here is what I was wrong. I mentioned a key to this game was you need to expand the playbook for Jeff Sims, and you need to expand his role. I was right. Matt Rule did that. But here's what I was wrong about. Jeff Sims. You're thinking, wow, dude, you're just going to call just blatantly say, you call it out. I am. Let's address the elephant in the room. For everybody listening, let's address the elephant in the room. 
Jeff Sims uh, struggled. The margin of error uh, is 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 pretty big, and it, and it was and it fell on Jeff Sims. And I will say it fell on Jeff Sims because let's look at his stats. He was nine for fifteen, one hundred six yards, and one interception. He would overthrow his guys. He would um, he would take sacks. He would uh, and by the way, that Colorado defense much improved, much improved. That defense looks salty. That defense is a very stout defense. They look good on defense. TCU was a little bit of a different animal, but TCU is a good roster. They have a great roster. Looks a little bit different. Okay, so let's just you know, let's just kind of you know. Calm down on Colorado's defense. They look fine. Nebraska looks good, too. But Nebraska's problem is Jeff Sims. Nebraska's problem, uh, he he missed throws. He uh, would throw it. He, he, he would take sacks. He would overthrow guys. He threw, he threw picks. Uh, he had one interception. And, and, and this was against Minnesota as well. So I was thinking, okay, it may just be Minnesota. It's, uh, you know, it's week two. It's only week two. But, dude, Jeff Sims, man, he Nebraska had a lot of moments in that game where they could have probably won that game and, and took a lead against Colorado. They looked good overall as a team, but Jeff Sims didn't. That's the problem. Jeff Sims didn't. So now my my tune my after watching this game, my stance has kind of changed a little bit. You may want to go with somebody else at QB. That's just my take. Expand a little bit for Jeff Sims. I said last week. Now you're being a hypocrite, Joel. Now you're turning. You're, you're changing your tune. I'm changing my tune for a reason. He was a, a, a good reason of, of why the game, you know, wasn't wasn't a thing. Yes, coaching could have been, is a huge issue, but Jeff Sims may not be the guy for Nebraska at this point in time. Uh, Heinrich Harburg stepped in. Late, late, and he scored a touchdown for Nebraska. Uh, they, it was they only scored one point, one touchdown. Granted, Jeff Sims is a solid rush or a solid running get, running quarterback. He was a great. He's fast. He's a good. He's a speedy quarterback. He scored a rushing touchdown. He's that that put him up. You know, got him seven points. Their first touchdown. Then Heinrich Harburg's throw a touchdown pass late in the game and gave him fourteen points. They could have had a lot of points in that game. But I think the quarterback play is a must. They they need to see and evaluate all options moving forward because Michigan's calling in a couple of weeks. They're going to they're going to link they're they're going to up in Lincoln and going knocking on that door. And uh Michigan's coming calling. That's Jim Harbaugh's return game. Uh this uh next this Saturday is the final game of suspension for him. And uh, in the next couple of weeks, Jim Harbaugh will be back, and he will be rocking and rolling. And we're about to see a Michigan team that may put up a lot more points than what they've been putting up under Jim Harbaugh. So we'll see what's going on there. Final score, 36-14. Sorry I went on with a little bit of a long explanation with that one. But 36-14, Nebraska, solid team. And they they can improve, and they can rebuild. They just need to evaluate all options at quarterback at this point. So let's move on. Ole Miss, Tulane, real quickly. Final score, Ole Miss 37, Tulane 20. I apologize for this one. I did not know Michael Pratt, quarterback for Tulane, was hurt. He was hurt, and they were without him this past week. He was he was out. He missed this game. Crucial game to miss, too. But Kai Horton, 
Tulane's backup was solid. 15 for 37, 231 yards and one touchdown with only one interception. That was the only miscue Kyle Horton had. But Tulane and Ole Miss going into the fourth was knotted up. It was tied. But Ole Miss just, I think Tulane had the lead at first. They kind of tied it up, at, you know, at the very end with Ole Miss. And then Tulane just, you know, stepped their foot, like eased their foot off the gas a little bit, and Ole Miss put their foot on the gas, and Ole Miss ran away with it. Uh, Tulane's got Micah Hodges at, uh, Michael, I'm sorry, Micah Hughes at running back with 23 carries, 300 uh, with 93 yards and one touchdown. Another running back option for them was Assad Clayton Johnson. He had seven carries with 32 yards. Tulane's got a solid team. They got a solid defense as well. Their defense was, they looked really impressive on defense. That defense is going to be a force to be reckoned with in the group of five and in the American Conference. Let's look at Ole Miss. They're two and zero now, and they're and uh, looking good at the top of the SEC West and at the SEC currently. Uh, Jackson Dart looking phenomenal again. Seventeen for twenty-seven with two hundred sixty-seven yards and two touchdowns and an interception. Jackson Dart looked really good. Um, he made a few errors. I mean, like sending it in the pocket, uh, taking some sacks that he could have gotten away from, but. Jackson Dart still, nonetheless, looking impressive for this Ole Miss offense. Quinshawn Juckins, uh, 18 carries with 48 yards and one touchdown. The throwing game for Ole Miss, the passing attack has been impressive for Ole Miss. What's happening right now, the rushing game's kind of taking a backseat, which is weird because Quinshawn Juckins was a lights out last season. A little bit quiet to start off the first two weeks of the season, but it's only week three we can still work Juckins into the season. Juckins is a solid player and he had a, he he looked a little bit better than he did last week, but but he he you just got to he's got to work he's got to work in work in you know work it in. Just just ease it in. So, only week 3. Quinshawn Juckins solid back for Ole Miss and in the SEC. Both teams looked impressive in this one. Uh they didn't really look bad. Ole Miss just ran away with it. They just ran away with it at the end. Uh, the only thing I would work on for Tulane is not taking your foot off the gas. It's not not easing up. Don't ease up. Keep pressure and keep pound. Just keep going away. You know, just keep keep pushing. And if you keep pushing, you're going to be in games and you're going to win games that teams are not going to expect you to win. So Tulane looks solid. Uh, final score in that one was 37-20 Ole Miss. Ole Miss looks impressive. And so does Tulane. So congratulations to both teams. Solid game. One of the better games of this weekend. So it was good. Moving on. I did not expect this. I said A&M was going to beat Miami, ladies and gentlemen. You can put, put, put it on there. Here's where the last two come in. Final score, Miami 48, Texas A&M 33. Let me repeat that. Miami 48, Texas A&M 33. Miami looks solid. I ain't going to lie. Miami looked good. Miami looked good on offense. Led by quarterback Tyler Van Dyke. I said this. I said Tyler Van Dyke was going to be one of the most impressive quarterbacks, one of the most impressive and underrated quarterbacks in that conference and in college football. Look at his stats. 21 for 30 with 374 yards and five touchdowns. Five touchdowns he put up against Texas A&M's defense. Uh, their receiving core was amazing. Xavier Rest, uh, Restrepo, uh, six receptions with 126 yards. Uh, Jacoby George had five receptions with 94 yards and three touchdowns. Colby Young had six receptions with 75 yards and one touchdown. Isaiah Horton had one reception with 52 yards and one touchdown. 
big, big time plays that were being made against that defense. Uh, a huge kickoff return uh, against A and M, where uh, a- Miami special teams kind of bullied A and M on their special teams, and you know. Miami went in for the score. Good, good game for Miami. Miami's two and zero. A and M's one and one. Miami looks solid. Uh, they they can they can cause some problems. So if I'm North Carolina, if I'm Duke, if I'm Florida State, I'm watching out uh, and and take that Miami game with uh with a grain of salt on this one. I would look into Miami a little bit before saying, "Oh, it's going to be an easy win." Miami looks solid. I wouldn't say it's going to be an easy win. Miami's in the rankings now, along with Duke. So. Just watch out. Just watch out for the U. Are they back? Early to say, but let's see. Let's go over with A&M really quick. A&M, they showed some, a little bit of promise on offense. They looked okay on offense. Not like they did against New Mexico, but they looked okay. Their defense was the concerning point. Their defense, they couldn't stop Miami. They had some trouble on defense. Uh, I think some of the play calling was being being jumbled up, and that is where my coaching questioning is coming in. Like I said earlier in the season with Jimbo Fisher, is Jimbo going to be calling the plays? Is Bobby Petrano going to be calling the plays? Is he going to be calling the plays on defense? Is Jimbo going to be calling plays? That is the only thing. Uh, I was a little worried about, you know, A&M because of what was going on to them. Uh, they didn't look all that impressive on defense. They uh, And New Mexico moved the ball on them a little bit. So uh, it was okay. Their offense was the, the key theme last year. Now it's their defense that I'm kind of, kind of looking at and like, okay, what's going on here? Um, their defense is, you know, it's a little bit easy to move the ball on them. It really is. And and listen, you're going to have teams that are going to move the ball because they're doing it, you know, hard. They're hard, like fighting to move the ball. And they're just, they're just better. You're going to have teams that come up across, you know, it, it, it's good to have a back and forth game. But AM's defense was getting just, it was easy for Miami to move the ball on them. And that's a little bit of a concerning trend, especially when you have games against Arkansas coming up. You have games against Alabama coming up. And later down the road, Ole Miss, Auburn, and LSU uh, in the near future. So uh, Connor Wingman had 31. He was 31 for, 53, 31 for 53 with 336 yards and two touchdowns, along with two interceptions. He also had five carries for 29 yards and a touchdown. So Connor Wingman had a busy day, but... He didn't do it all by himself. He had 18 carries with uh, Amari Daniels had his running back had 18 carries with 62 yards and a touchdown. And Evan Stewart, his receiver, had 11 receptions with 142 yards. So um, that was his go-to guy. Uh, no touchdown for Evan Stewart this week. But Connor Wingman was trying to do it. You know, he he showed flashes of okay with that stat line, baller, right? But he also showed flashes like kind of like Jaden Daniels against Florida State, where he showed signs of I'm doing too much. And he did. He showed signs of I'm just overdoing it. Don't overdo it because that's going to get in your head. It's going to get in your head of I'm playing hero ball and that's going to cost you mistakes. It's going to have cause mistakes, cause errors, and you're going to it's going to cost your team. And I think Connor Wingman had a little bit of that, you know, against Miami. So final score of this one, 48-33. Here's where I would say about AM. They gotta improve. They gotta improve on the defensive, on the defensive side of things, mainly in the middle, because Miami was killing them in the middle. And uh a lot, a lot on the outside as well. Miami uh was getting them in the secondary spot as well. Secondary is a little bit better, but it's not a it's not a, a thing that I would tread lightly. 
Uh, they looked a little bit better than the than, than, than the linebacker spots, but they still got scored on at will. So I would try to look into that as well. But their defense, the defense as a whole needs to be looked at. Uh, before you get into the Ole Misses, the Alabamas, the Arkansas, and in Auburn's, before you know you get into you know those the conference play, right? So uh, final score: Miami forty-eight, A and M thirty-three. A and going back to the drawing board. Miami looking impressive. If you see me on YouTube, I may be raising it up. So uh, here we go, right? Let's go in with our final recap of week two. Um, and then we'll go into the polls. We'll read the polls off again. Then we're going to go into week three games. Real quickly, final score. And before I get into this, I was saying close game, Bama's got it. Close game, Alabama has it. Texas and Alabama. Big game of the weekend, right? And if you look into it, you're like, man, you know, it's a close game. But talent-wise, how can Alabama not, you know, not win this game? Final score, Texas 34, Alabama 24. It's a little bit quiet in here. You can hear a pin drop. Texas 34, Alabama 24. 10-point win for the Longhorns. And let me go on and tell you something. From the opening jump, Steve Sarkeesian was calling a good game. He called a game start to finish Great call of a game by head coach Steve Sarkeesian. Round of applause for him. He is the third assistant to defeat to defeat Nick Saban. So, long pause there. Uh, let's go in with the offense really quick for Texas. Uh, Quinn Ewers, the quarterback. I said that he was probably he he was on his way to a he could be on his way to a Heisman. I predicted that before the season started, and it's. His his odds have skyrocketed. He played a, a good game. 24 for 38 with 349 yards and three touchdowns. He didn't do it alone. His supporting cast was amazing. Running back Jonathan Brooks, who has replaced, uh, who has replaced Bijan Robinson. 14 carries with 57 yards and one touchdown. Ch- uh Chitavian Sanders, their tight end, five receptions with 114 yards. He was throwing it to the tight end a lot. And Sanders had had his way with a lot of the linebackers and safety spots for Alabama. A.D. Mitchell. Y'all remember him from Georgia, the Georgia transfer from last season. He played the national championship game and uh, two national championship games for Alabama. A.D. Mitchell, uh, three receptions for uh, in 78 yards and two touchdowns. He scored twice against Bama. Xavier Worthy, the star receiver for Texas, five receptions with 75 yards and one touchdown. Texas looked solid. Offensive side of the ball, they look good. They look good up front, and that is where I was impressed. They look their offensive line looked really good against Bama's defensive line, and Bama's defensive line uh, with guys like Dallas Turner on the line, solid. They looked, I mean, solid defensive line for Bama, and, and Texas had their way a little bit with them. Bama fans were thinking, no, they didn't. But when you go back and watch, how did Texas get a lot of their plays off? It starts up front. Texas won the trenches. Anybody who says that Texas did not win up front is kind of kind of blindsided a little bit. They're kind of blinded. You need to go back, you go back and watch the highlights. I think Texas was having their way in the trenches, and that's causing all these, you know, all these throws to be made, 
right? Obviously, it's football 101, guys. So they won up front, and the secondary, that was what so was impressive about Texas. The matchups in the secondary spots, the receivers were getting open, beating out Bama's secondary, who has, listen, they have young they have young players on secondary, okay? They have Caleb Downs. They uh, they have a lot of young guys on secondary, but they have guys like Malachi Moore in the secondary. Kool-Aid McKinstry got veterans in the secondary, and they were winning. They were winning those matchups. Uh, Xavier Worthy, A.D. Mitchell, uh, Sanders, they were all winning those matchups. And, and Quinn Ewers found some good matchups, and he launched it and made some good decisions. Touchdown, Texas, and they put up 34 points. Good call of an offensive game. Let's talk about the defensive side of things for Texas. Texas looked good on defense as well. They put a lot of pressure. They put up some. They put some pressure on Jalen Milrow, which caused Jalen Milrow, the starting quarterback, and I'm about to get at Milrow in a minute to make some mistakes. Uh, they made some. He made some mistakes. He had a little bit of happy feet. He caused him to run, and even when they did, he did run, they would sack him or you know tackle him before he took off. You know. Too long, right? So, uh, yeah, Texas' defense looks solid. Their offense looks solid as well. They look like a top-five team currently, which is surprising. They look like a top-five team currently. Uh, they look really, really good. Congratulations to Texas on a win against Alabama. Now, let's go over to Bama. What does this mean for them? Let's go over Alabama. Jalen Milrow, 14 for 27 with 255 yards with two touchdowns and two interceptions. He had 15 carries with four with 44 yards. He led the day in rushing. Uh, um, uh, Amari Neblack, their tight end, had two receptions with 45 yards and a touchdown. Jermaine Burton, the Georgia wide receiver transfer who is back for another year at Alabama, two receptions with 58 yards and one touchdown. Kobe Prentice also had five receptions with 68 yards. Um, the funny thing about this is, when you look at it, while Texas was good on the ground, Alabama was better. They had two more rushing yards than Texas, but Texas beat them in the passing game and in total yards. Uh, Alabama also had 10, 10 penalties. This was a mistake by their part. Five less than last season against Texas. Texas had, uh, Bama had, if you remember, in when they went to uh, uh, Darrow Royal Stadium in Austin, they had 15 penalties last season against Texas. Bama did. Now they had 10 penalties, so five less, but still, 10 penalties is a lot. Uh, Bama, if you don't know this, and I was reminded by this by uh, a family, by my family member, uh, my my uh, good old dad, shout out to my dad, um, Bama led the league in the SEC in penalties last season, and I was like, oh, I forgot about that. I was talking to him, I was like, I forgot about that. They led the league in penalties, and they did. Um, they had 10 penalties, and it's looking like they're leading the league in penalties again. It was a lot of penalties against Texas, so and that must have cost them. Jalen Milrow threw good. He threw good. He had two touchdowns. He, he looked good. He looked good. But when you look at it, when you look at, you know, when you look at it, the, the, the errors that he did make were there it was there he made some good two he made he launched the ball in the air two touchdown passes you're like you know he's developed an arm which Jalen Milrow has developed an arm there's no way there's no way to not to not see that but it's not just about the developing an arm it's about the decision making now at this point Bryce Young's not there you know it's not he, he's you know okay Jalen Milrow is going to throw slip passes and it's going to be enough to let our talent get us by you don't have a Jameer Gibbs 
you you don't have a Bryce Young, you don't have a, a lot of these guys, right? But what you do have is a, a, mo, a mobile quarterback like a J- Jalen Milrow who could can, can potentially win you some games, but the decision-making has got to be there. His decision-making was a little bit off against Texas, and it's almost thinking, okay, you got two other quarterbacks there. Are you going to pull the trigger on a Tyler Buckner or a Ty Simpson? I don't know. I'm not Nick Saban. I'm not Tommy Rees. But I will say this. Jalen Milrow, talent-wise, has shown promise. It's all about the mental aspect at this point. He's got to make better decisions to win these big-time games. You have Ole Miss at home. Great. You have Arkansas at home. Great. You have LSU and Tennessee at home. Great. Here's the thing. Here's the, and here's the deal. You, you you got some key road games. A&M's a road game also, but you got some games. Those games, even at home, are still going to be tough. And, and you got to look and you got to think, okay, what can we do to further prevent games like Texas from this? Because I'm not used to seeing, and this was telling, I'm not used to seeing, one, Alabama with one loss on their record, Entering week three. I'm not used to seeing that, okay? That's one. Just like LSU at this point, and this is weird to point this out, we live in a world where LSU and Alabama are one and one (laughs) entering week three. That's weird. That is weird. But number two, Bama fans were walking out. That's telling. I have not seen that ever. Out of my you know time of watching football since I was little, I've never seen a ba- I've never seen Bama fans walk out of the stadium and, and booing. They were booing a little bit. I've not seen that in a while. Bama showed that they 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 were beatable a little bit, just like last season. Uh, Texas showed good stride of being a playoff team. So the playoff hype through the air for two teams right now: Florida State, Texas. It's not a good look for the SEC. What does this mean for the SEC? I want to get to that in a minute. Uh, But they showed where they looked a little bit defeated in some areas. Now, they can improve on on some stuff. Tennessee is weeks out. Tennessee is weeks out. Let's not think about Tennessee. Let's not think about playoffs. Let's think about the the, the corrections that need to be made right now. Starting with the area of quarterback. Is Jalen Milrow the guy? Could he be? I don't know. I can't answer that. But let's start there and let's build around that and let's see what else needs to be fixed as well. So final score, 34-24. Texas beats Alabama. Texas, solid team. Solid team. You know, gets playoff hype, you know, started. Alabama, back to the drawing board, which is weird to say. Back to the drawing board. Um, Alabama's got USF's, USF's this week. It's, it's on the road, which is weird. A non-conference game on the road like that against a group of five opponent. Uh, South Florida, let's see what happens there. Let's see what happens. I'm curious to see what Alabama and what adjustments uh, the Crimson Tide make this Saturday uh, afternoon at 2.30 on ABC. So, uh, I'm sorry, 3.30 on ABC if you're in the Eastern time area. So, uh, it's interesting to see Bama in this corner a little bit. 
of, okay, we need to adjust a lot before we go to the playoffs or, or before, you know, if we go to the playoffs. Who knows? It's questionable. Now, here's the thing after this loss. Is the SEC broken? I read that article on ESPN. Is the SEC broken? LSU lost to Florida State. A&M lost to Miami. Bama lost to Texas. SEC's getting hammered. They're getting beat up. Some of the top teams are getting beat up. Ole Miss, they look like they could have gotten B against Tulane. Is the SEC broken? I wouldn't say broken, but I'm going to say this. The SEC is starting off a little bit slow right now. Everybody else is stepping up, and the SEC is slowing down a little bit. If I'm a conference that is has such prestige and class as the SEC and top teams in that conference who potentially have the shot at making the playoffs. George is also starting off slow. They started off slow against Ball State and UT Martin so far. So uh, this Saturday, Georgia has South Carolina. Uh, uh, spoiler alert, I'm picking Georgia for that one. But we'll see what happens. I, it's not on my list of games to pick, but I'm picking Georgia to beat South Carolina. It's on the CBS Saturday at 2, at 3:30 uh, Eastern. So when you look at it, I think the SEC is starting off slow. They're not broken, but they're starting off slow. They need to pick it up. I can tell you that for sure. They need to pick it up. The ACC and the Pac-12, the ones that that everyone was talking about, you know, disbanding and all that, is it kind of funny that those are the conferences that are the top conferences in games right now? Isn't that funny, ladies and gentlemen? That's funny when you look at it. Oh, Pac-12's gone. But they're the top conference right now when it comes to winning football games. Yeah, sure. They may not play a whole lot of teams, but Washington State played Wisconsin and beat them and knocked them out of the rankings. Colorado played Nebraska, beat them 36-14. Oregon puts up 81 points. USC with Caleb Williams looking impressive. Washington in the top 10 with number eight. When you look at the Pac-12, they look like the teams that's winning all the games. SEC starting off slow. They're getting pushed around and beat. I'm not used to seeing that. I'm not used to seeing that. SEC, it's a little bit of a call-out right now. SEC needs to pick it up, and they really do. They need to pick it up when it comes to games. I'm not saying they're not the top conference, which they are. They're the top conference in college football still, but they're slowing down against these other schools and conferences, man. Texas, a future SEC team is showing that they're ready for next year against Alabama. They showed next year that they are ready to take on LSU, Georgia, Florida, Kentucky, Ole Miss, Oklahoma again in the SEC, but they're they're showing that. They're showing that. So I'd watch out for a little bit. If I'm if if I'm the SEC, I'd, you know, keep take take note and uh just pick it up. That was my long recap of week two. I apologize. Uh, SEC is just fine. They just got to pick it up on some games. So uh, SEC is not broken. No, they just have to step up and play some winning play and, and act and act and act a little with a little bit of a uh, you know precision and pressure of hey we're still the SEC don't mess with us kind of mentality. So yes, yes, SEC is just fine. They're just starting off a little bit slow. Now let's move on to the polls before we get break down some week three games. Uh, and real quickly here, real quickly. Sorry for taking over that long, having that long time with the recap of week two. Let's break down week three matchups. And before that, let's go to the polls. Uh, polls after week two look like this. AP polls, Georgia at one, Michigan at two, 
Florida State moves up to three. Who's at four? Hook'em. Texas is at four after defeating Alabama. Alabama leaves the number four spot, and they leave the top five. Number five, USC. SC jumps Ohio State. Ohio State is at six. They flip-flop. USC is looking a little bit more impressive than Ohio State. That's why they put them at five, and I would put them at five over Ohio State as well. Ohio State at six. Penn State at seven. Penn State still looking good with Drew Allard. I think Penn State could show some fight against Michigan and Ohio State. I really do. Uh, when you look at the competition for the, between Ohio State and Penn State, Penn State is arguably looking good. That, that matchup is setting up to be solid. So, number eight, Washington, they look good. Number nine, Notre Dame, they look solid. Number 10, Alabama. They are in the top 10 still. Uh, they the, the, the polls still favor Bama. They're still in the top 10, but... They're barely in the top 10. They're number 10 after what happened to them against Texas. Number 11, Tennessee. Tennessee falls out. They they go from number 9 to 11 because of their first half against Austin P. Uh, they didn't look too good in the first half against Austin P, but they picked it up and they ended up blowing them out and running away with it in the second half. Uh 2-0 Tennessee at 11. Utah at 12 after surviving a close one against Baylor. Uh, their ranking didn't change. Oregon wins. They don't. Their ranking doesn't change. LSU gets their first one into the season against Grambling. They're at 14. They don't change. Uh, Kansas State does not change. They're at 15, 2-0. Oregon State doesn't change. They're at 2-0. Ole Miss at 22. All right, I'm sorry. They were at 20. They were at 20. They move up three spots to 17 after beating Tulane. Number 18, Colorado, 2-0. And by the way, Ole Miss at the top of the SEC West rankings now. Number one, Ole Miss. Uh, Number 18, Colorado, 2-0. They're coming, ladies and gentlemen. That's what they said. They went from 22 to 18. They are indeed coming. Oklahoma at 18 moves down one spot to 19. They're at 2-0. Number 20, North Carolina, they were at 17. They moved down three spots because of their close loss to, now they're, I'm sorry, their close win against App State. They didn't pre- really show a lot of flash. Uh, they need to look a little bit better throughout the season with teams like Duke, Miami, and Florida State, and Clemson on you know the repertoire. Clemson not starting off the best either. They, they ended up running away with it, but they didn't look too shabby against and not too shit they, they didn't look you know too impressive against charleston southern so number 20 north carolina number 21 duke is this basketball <laughs> when did you see north carolina and duke in the same in the same ap poll in football but nonetheless duke is 21 2 and 0 impressive showing they were they their their ranking still the same miami enters the polls at 22 miami back in the rankings after beating AM. washington state is back in the polls wazoo at 23 ucla back in the polls at 24 they look good and they are 2 and 0 after a hot start and number 25 Iowa, 2-0, impressive wins, back-to-back weeks. They look solid, and Iowa's back in the top 25. Who lost and who's out of the rankings? Tulane, Wisconsin, and Clemson is out of the rankings. That is a shocker. When's the last time y'all seen Clemson out of the rankings, ladies and gentlemen? That is amazing. That's amazing. I mean, Clemson out of the rankings. I mean, it's not surprising after the first two weeks. They need they kind of need to pick it up a little bit, but 
Clemson out of the rankings. It's been a hot minute since we've seen Clemson not ranked. Wonder what Dabo's got to think about that. That's a whole nother conversation. But let's break down some week three matchups. Uh, Interesting polls, Clemson out of the rankings. Uh, what I got to say about Clemson really quick, and I, and I will touch on this. They didn't look too impressive against Duke. There was a lot of mistakes there. There was a lot of mistakes in the first half against Charleston Southern. Uh, they should have, and they, they did end up blowing them out in the second half, but they didn't look too impressive, and that's why they dropped them out. That being said, they have the talent. They got to find a way to get a little bit more going on their offense and defensive fronts. Defense looks a little bit of suspect. The tackling is not there. I don't know what's going on, but it falls on the coaching issue. It's a coaching standpoint, and they need to get them ready to play. I think it's a coaching standpoint and a coaching, you know, coaching. It's all falls on coaching for Clemson. They need to get them more prepared. That's it. They just need to get them more prepared because they're not prepared, and their mentality is not there. It's not how it's been, and they need to change their mentality in order to get back to where they need to be, and that's in the rankings. They're one and one, not ranked, and I'm not used to seeing Clemson like that. It's a weird year, twilight zone that Clemson's not in the rankings, but nonetheless, they're not. So, uh, let's break down some week three games, and uh, the first one we're going to break down, and it's not too much of an impressive slate. You're thinking, you don't have South Carolina and Georgia on here, and you don't have Mississippi State and LSU on here. Uh, honorable mentions. LSU wins a close one Saturday morning. LSU wins a close one Saturday morning. Um, I'm, I Maybe I may tweet it out, the score and all, but LSU wins a close one. I'll give it a, I'll give it a 31-24 win against Mississippi State. I'll give Georgia a 45-24 win against South Carolina. Um, those are honorable mentions, but let's break down these games. Minnesota, North Carolina, Ethan Kalakamanis, sorry, Ethan Kalakamanis, quarterback for Minnesota, very underrated QB in the Big Ten, and he's a key part in my keys of this game. He needs to have more of a solid game with a few errors because he had a few errors these past couple of weeks, and I know he can do a little bit better for that offense, so... Nathan Kalagamanis needs to have a solid game with few errors. That's key number one. Key number two for South Carolina for North Carolina. Keep an eye uh, and keep on keep an eye on this and keep on with the ground and pound. I think running the ball needs to be a little bit more of their strong suit uh, at this point because it's working. It's working. So Drake May, solid quarterback, but their running game is what's kind of keeping them in some of these ball games right at this point. Um, yeah, Drake made solid quarterback, but he, he he's kind of having a shaky start right now. As he bleeds into the season, I think Drake May will be a key part of this offense. But for right now, keep on with the ground and pound for this team. Minnesota, North Carolina. Interesting one. Minnesota coming down to North Carolina to Chapel Hill. Very interesting here. Who do I have winning this? I got I got North Carolina, close one. North Carolina keeps it going against Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota undefeated, North Carolina undefeated. Somebody's O's got to go, and it's got to be Minnesota's. North Carolina beats Minnesota. 
I'm going to give it a score of 24-17. Close game. I'm going to give it a close game. I think Minnesota's got a good team and a solid underrated team to keep up with these with these games. And I think North Carolina beats Minnesota 24-17. Uh, Go-ahead touchdown with like five minutes left in the fourth to seal the win for North Carolina. 24-17, North Carolina beats Minnesota at 230. Night games. Let's go on with this. Tennessee at Florida. Florida had an impressive win against McNeese. Um, they look they bounced back after a rough showing against uh, against Utah. But Graham Mertz had a little bit of effect, you know, a little effect. It was more of a ground game with Montreal Johnson and Trevor Etienne for Florida. O line still looks a little suspect though. They they missed a, a few blocks, even though it was a 49-7 win. O line looked a little bit more suspect, while Tennessee did struggle which is kind of concerning going into the swamp, but they did struggle. However, however, they still have a salty defense that could probably tackle that O-line. So what the uh, so here's some two key, three key matches, three key things for this game. Number one, the O-line for Florida needs to block, and they need to block heavy against a tough front seven for Tennessee. Tennessee looks good on defense, and they have some big guys that could probably out- Man, you and in and, and, and physicality just beats you, right? You have to block in some key areas in the trenches, and that's the only way you're going to move the ball on this team, right? So, key O-line for Florida needs to block a lot better than what they've been doing. Uh, if I'm Tennessee, I'm blocking out the noise at the swamp. Don't even listen to the crowd noise. Do you guys, and you're fine. Do you guys and play productive ball on offense, and you're fine. Tennessee secondary against Florida's receivers and those, and that's what I have there. Who wins the matchups uh, between there, right? The With guys like Ricky Pearsall, you know, for Florida, it's going to be a, an interesting thing to see what happens there, right? Between Florida's receivers and between Tennessee secondary. Who do I have winning this one? Unfortunately, I do not think it's close. I don't think Florida has shown me enough uh, to say otherwise. I think it's not going to be close. I say Tennessee does go into the swamp and beats them by a couple of scores. I say it's going to be, I say about 45-21. 45 Tennessee, Florida 21. Florida goes to 1-2 and two at home against Tennessee. Tennessee moves to 3-0, and oh, and Tennessee's looking good with Joe Milton the third. So I don't think Florida has shown me quite enough yet to compete with Tennessee right now at this point. Tennessee beats them 45-21. Georgia Tech, Ole Miss. Here we go. Um, and keep in mind, Georgia Tech, solid team. Uh, if you look at Georgia Tech, they did. And, and, and listen, Georgia Tech had a rough, a, a rough slate, okay? They did. Georgia Tech had a, and as I'm pulling Georgia Tech up now, they had a, a more of a rough slate against in, in week one, but they bounced back, right? They bounced back. They're one and one. Tough, tough home opener. Or, I'm sorry, tough opener against Louisville. Leading the game, they got, you know, you know, they ended up, they ended up, you know, Louisville ended up coming back and beating them. They beat up South Carolina State 48-13 at Bobby Dodd Stadium. And now they got to go to Oxford. Tough game on SEC Network. Tough game. 1-1 one one against 2-0. So let's go over some key games. Some, some keys for this game. 
My bad. Keys for this game. Georgia Tech, find a way to contain Jackson Dart and Quinn Sean Johnson. That combo, that combo is going to be solid against for Ole Miss. Uh, that's the, that's number one key for Georgia Tech. Number then and then the key for Ole Miss, establish Quinshawn Johnson more. You Quinshawn Juckins more. You got to establish Quinshawn Juckins a lot more. So for Georgia Tech, find a way to contain Jackson Dart and Quinshawn Juckins. For Ole Miss, you got to get Juckins involved a little bit more in the ground game. I think if you run the ball a lot against Georgia Tech, Georgia Tech is going to going to crumble a little bit. I, I highly believe that. I think their rushing defense is hearsay, and I think if you establish the best running back in the conference, a lot more on the ground, Juckins will have a day. So, who do I have winning this one? Ole Miss wins it, and it's going to be a score of 42-17. to 42-17, Ole Miss beats Georgia Tech, and Georgia Tech is 1-2. and two. Ole Miss is 3-0, and oh, heading in to a primetime showdown in Tuscaloosa against Alabama for Ole Miss. Going in there undefeated, 3-0. and oh. Last but not least, Colorado State versus Colorado, the Rocky Mountain showdown. College game day is going to be there. Everybody's pumped. Key matchup for Colorado State is their secondary versus the receivers. How are they going to do against Xavier Weaver and Travis Hunter? That's going to be key in this game. The secondary versus the receivers. Can they keep up with them? Key, And then the last key, and it's for Colorado, Shadur Sanders making more precise decisions. And I say that by scrambling away from the pocket, uh, not taking the sacks, throwing the ball when you need to, and... How are you going to do there, right? And that and that's that's it. Like how what's going to happen there? So making more precise decisions to win the game. Okay, throwing the ball when you need to, uh, not taking the sacks, not just standing there, making more precise decisions. You know, for sixty minutes, not just in one half, but for sixty minutes. So who do I have winning this one? Colorado, <laughs> of course, right? Colorado. Colorado beats Colorado State, I say, about a score of 35-14. Similar score to Nebraska. I'll say similar score to Nebraska. 35-14, Colorado beats Colorado State in the Rocky Mountain Showdown. 35-14, Pac-12 after dark game uh, due to the fact that it's, you know, West Coast ball, right? So 35-14, Colorado 3-0 heading into a showdown against in my opinion, undefeated Oregon. Undefeated Oregon. Congratulations on a good win against Texas Tech, by the way, this past week. Colorado against undefeated Oregon at Eugene, setting up for a primetime showdown there. So I can't wait for that game. Uh, top three, uh, those are the matchups. Uh, we broke down week three, and we're out of time. So a big thank you for taking some time out of your Tuesday afternoon to just sit back, watch, and listen to some college football coverage presented by me. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel, like each episode, and leave comments down below. If you're listening on Spotify and Podbean, follow on there and share around with others on there. X, Instagram, and Facebook. X, at pigskin underscore frenzy, all lowercase. All you got to do is type that in, follow and like the page there. You'll get episode updates as well as new and news and highlights from across college and NFL football. Facebook and Instagram, all you got to do is type in pigskin frenzy, follow the page there. You'll get episode updates. Go and answer today's trivia question on Instagram story, and you'll get all things up to date for pigskin frenzy. A big thank you today just for taking some time and listening 
NFL Thursday. This coming up, we're going to break down week one's matchups. We're going to talk about week two's top matchups. It's going to be fun. NFL is back and football is back in full swing. Keep plugging in the pigskin frenzy. I'm Joel Norris signing off. We'll see you Thursday. And for everybody out there, stay the course.